Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're excited that you're here. Um, I want to formally introduce an incredible couple. It was in 2011. Ben and I decided after we got married that every year we were going to take a mission trip together in the summer. And so this year was going to be different in 2011 because instead of taking a mission trip, we decided to join what's called the School of Empowerment. There was this wonderful, there's this wonderful church in North Carolina called Kings Park International Church, and it is amazing and incredible, and God was moving, and we wanted to jump in and be a part of what God was doing. So we joined the School of Empowerment, and for three weeks, we just got doused with the Holy Spirit and some incredible, amazing leaders who spoke and poured into us. And when we left after that three weeks, I will tell you, we didn't even look the same. We didn't even act the same. God had really moved and imparted some incredible gifts into us. And there was some amazing healing that happened while we were there. And our lives were forever touched. And <clears throat> this amazing couple that leads this church are Romy, uh, sorry, Bomi and Reggie Roberson. And they are just amazing and incredible. And today we get an amazing treat, not only once today, but twice today. This power couple is speaking and pouring into us this morning and tonight. And so I have the privilege and the honor to introduce a friend that's incredible. She's a wife. She has three children. She's an incredible mom. And she's just an amazing woman of God and daughter of the King. And so she's just a special treat this morning. So church, can you stand to your feet and welcome Bobby Rovers, Pastor Bobby Roberson this morning. Good morning, everyone. Please have a seat. Have a seat. It's so good to see everybody. Um, some faces are new, and some, of course, I know, so it's just a joy, just a joy to be here. My husband and I are here, and towards the end of my message, I'll probably invite him up, of, of course, to join me to pray for you all, but so delighted to be here. But before I continue, I do want to acknowledge the graduates, so if you just graduated, would you just raise up your hand? I, I, can, I think I can see, yay, well, congratulations, congratulations, that is a big deal. Lord, I just pray for them as they transition to the next phase of their lives. And I ask that you will preserve them. You would increase their faith. You will bless them. And in the name of Jesus, they will be a sign and a wonder to their generation. In Jesus' name, they're coming out and they're, they're going in and they're coming out will be blessed. Order their footsteps. Help them to be at the right place all the time. Doing the right things with the right people in the right way, God. For those believing for jobs, we pray for open doors. For those going to college, we ask in Jesus' name for scholarships out of the woodworks to come for them in Jesus' name. But we just pray for divine networks and connection. And we pray that they'll be deeply rooted in you as they move into this next season of of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Congratulations. I just wanted to acknowledge them. That is a big deal. Well, we are excited to be here with you. We'll get right into the word. And what I want to share with you guys, it's blessed me. Um, I, and I try, I always ask the Lord, like before I share what he's placed on my heart, that it would be something that he either challenges me with, convicts me, but it has to transform my own heart. And this truly has been transformative for me. And I pray that even as I share this with you, that it is, if not even more, impactful 
as we move out of here and right out into the places God's called us to do. You know, I want to start first, though, with a story. Now, some of you might not, you know, I just because I don't even know if they make any more cars. Well, I think they do, cars that are stick shift. But when I learned how to drive, I learned manual. Anybody know what that is? Okay. All you all young folks, you just got it easy. You know, just two, two pedals, stop and go. <laughs> but when I learned how to drive, there were three. It was the accelerator or the pedal that makes you go fast. It was the brakes right in the middle. But then there was a third one to the left, and it was called the clutch. And you had to maneuver this thing real good. I remember in Nigeria learning how to drive. And first of all, you think, like, you think people drive crazy. I heard, I heard in New York, just multiply that by 20. I mean, there are no rules. Stoplights don't work. People will make a lane out of anything. So it was just crazy driving in Nigeria. And I had to learn how to drive in Nigeria. Thank God. I, it, it didn't last long. My husband helped me when I moved to America and made it a lot better um, in some ways because he was laughing at me. <laughs> and he still laughs at me when he thinks about that moment. But we had to go on a bridge. And when you're going on a bridge, because this is like the tester, you go on the bridge, you have to sort of rev up because you're going against gravity. At one point, I think I slipped. I just moved my feet from the clutch, and then the car started to stall, and it was moving back, going on the incline in the bridge. I was so panicked, and the instructor was like yelling at me, move, put your feet on the clutch. Put. Anyway, that experience was so traumatizing. I think that was the last time I went to my driver's lesson. But thank God for redeeming moments. But this is what I learned about the clutch in that moment. Whenever you want to move faster or accelerate, you have to, in a finesse way, okay, take your left leg and press down on the clutch. And then you shift the gear. And then at the same time you get your feet off the clutch, you then put your right foot on the accelerator or the, the pedal that makes you go faster. The reason why you have to do that with a manual is because when you press down the clutch, I'm getting a little technical, it separates the shaft, two shafts. One shaft is what rotates the tires, the other shaft is what keeps the engine going. And you don't want the engine to stop or the car will stall. So when you press down on the clutch, the engine is still going, but what happens is the wheels or the shaft that is connected to the wheels kind of slows down. And so the depression of the clutch allows you to make the adjustment to go and accelerate to a higher gear so you can go faster. The reason why I'm bringing this story up is because you need, there's a pressure, there's a type of depression, if you will, or a type of like sort of pushing back of the clutch to allow you move forward or to accelerate forward. Now, bringing this to our context, many of us in this season have experienced some pushback. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I feel some pressure, like some opposition, some resistance in my life. I know I want to grow in God. I know God is doing several things here at Luminous, but I just feel like there's spiritual warfare, meaning there's all these intense moments that are pushing us back or pressing us. And honestly, what I want to tell you is that, you know, sometimes the reason why there's pushback is because God is doing something. 
And if God is doing something, of course, the enemy doesn't want to see it come to pass. So there's some level of oppression or some level of opposition or resistance, some kind of pushback. But see, if we are believing God for breakthrough, there has to be something that we have to break through. And so when you find yourself in these intense moments, maybe some of you are in here, I want to submit to you the main idea of what I want to share this morning is that sometimes spiritual opposition can be an opportunity for spiritual acceleration. Spiritual opposition can be an opportunity for spiritual acceleration. So the intensity that you're feeling might actually be an opportunity for God to shift and adjust you so that you can move forward at a higher speed. You can continue what he's called you to do. You can just press through and just see God catapult you from one place to another. So sometimes when you're dealing with opposition, there is a response we have, but for you not to be discouraged because it, it can be a sign that God is about to do something. So let's pray and let's get into the word to unpack this main thought. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the study of your word. We thank you for what you want to share with us as individuals and as a collective here at Luminous. And I just ask, the Lord, would you open up our minds and give us understanding? And in the name of Jesus, let this word begin to speak into the areas of our personal lives, in our families, at our jobs, wherever where we need it the most. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to multiply this word. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to read from John chapter 21, and I want to highlight a man, a disciple of Jesus, who in some ways was dealing with some level of resistance or opposition, if you, or for lack of a better term, but just something that was pushing him and preventing him from really moving forward. This is from John chapter 21, and I'm going to read from verses 1 through 11. This is the New Living Translation. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the, disciples, Jesus, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, he put on his tunic, for he had, been, he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Spiritual opposition can be an opportunity for spiritual acceleration. You see, in this context, what's happened here is that the disciples are trying to figure out life now as they know it, because what life used to be is different. 
Jesus was crucified. He had appeared to them already, but they were used to Jesus being with them 24-7. And so they were trying to figure out what was their next. What they were in this season of uncertainty, a sense of nebulousness, for lack of a better term. And even more so for Peter, it wasn't just knowing what his next was, but he was dealing with condemnation and possibly guilt. Because in previous chapters, and some of you are familiar, Jesus had told him he was going to betray him. And he was like, no, that's not going to happen. And sure enough, he betrays Jesus. And so what's happened is there's this shroud over him, possibly. And they're just trying to figure out what li- what's next in life, what's going on. There was this, they were in this, this season of uncertainty. And you know, what's very interesting is, like my analogy of the clutch and the accelerator is, when you're sort of trying to shift gears, we can also, it's like a season where it's like a, a moment where the car is just in this sort of like idle mode because you're, you're, you're pressing, you're releasing your feet from the accelerator, pressing down on the clutch, making a quick shift to accelerate, and then you do, then you do the dance again. And so they were in the in-between trying to figure out what is it that they're supposed to do. Now for us here, here at Luminous, I know God is doing some amazing things. I heard about the land that you're believing God for in the process. I also know that for some of you personally, there's some things that you've been praying and asking God for. And right when you feel like you are at the cusp of revival or at the cusp of a breakthrough, at the cusp of a provision that you're trusting, it just feels like something always happens to block it. Or maybe there's something that you're walking through and you just don't feel your, your confidence in God is undermined. Or you just feel like, right when I feel like I've had the victory in one area, like whack-a-mole, something else happens. And I feel weary. I feel tired. I feel done. And so the disciples being in that same place, something happens. What's very interesting when we look at the life of Peter, this moment is actually kind of reminiscent of a moment that he had with Jesus in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus calls him to be a disciple. It says in that moment that Jesus steps into his boat because the night before he had tried to fish, but there was no fish. Jesus steps into his boat, asks Peter to pull it all the way down in Luke chapter 5. Jesus preaches to the people, and after he's done, he looks to Peter and he says, Put you, why don't you fish? And Peter goes, uh, put your net down to fish. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. I've tried all night. But in that moment, he tells him to do it. Peter does it. Not only did he catch fish, he caught so much that his boat began to sink. He had to call other people to help, and both boats were sinking. He was so taken aback by that moment that he was awestruck. And that awestruck, he bent at the, he fell at his knees, and he worshipped Jesus. He was so in awe, he worshipped Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus gives him purpose. It says, you've often fished for fish, or you were a fisherman, but now you will fish for men. And his life changes. And so Peter now understands his purpose, like many of us, when we give our hearts to Jesus. And he's had this trajectory of three years with Jesus, but then one time, there's this moment where he betrays him, and he's trying to figure out life. And so Jesus calls them to shore, and John recognizes that it's Jesus. It says Peter was so enamored that he jumps into the water. He swims to go meet Jesus. And there are three things from this moment that I want to highlight. Because when he goes out to meet Jesus, not only does Jesus speak into his life and reaffirm the purpose, but it actually sets him off for the next thing that God's going to ask him to do. Similar situation, but there are things that I want to highlight. And this is to the, the, my first point, 
Point number one, to see the invitation in the opposition, we need to reframe our mindset through prayer. God is doing something illuminous. And anytime God wants to do something where his kingdom is going to be advanced, whether in your life individually or as a collective, as a church, the enemy will try his power to either derail, to distract, to, to, to devalue the confidence of the purpose that God has put in you. And so if we need to, when it's important for us to understand that when we experience spiritual opposition, we are making strides for God's kingdom. The enemy doesn't like that. So in times of opposition, instead of saying to ourselves, okay, this is it, I'm done, I'm just going to stop here, I want to challenge you to say, you know what, no, 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 let me see what God is doing in this. What feels like a depression, what feels like resistance, what feels like pushing down, maybe perhaps God wants me to see him or see something in a new light. And so I need to reframe my mindset to understand, just like we sang today, that God has never lost a battle. So when we're dealing with difficulty, when we're dealing with challenges, when we feel opposition, to remember in our minds, God has never lost a battle, so he's not going to abandon me in this situation and I need to understand and see what he's doing in it and the way that we can identify what God is doing in the situation is through prayer that's why when you guys have those moments where you pray together that is so important a lot of times when we have invitations for us to come together and pray as a church a lot of people will say oh that's for the intercessors I'm not an intercessor I don't want to show up but people of God I want to say there's something that happens when we all band together and pray and we pray prayers of agreement and unity it shakes things. It moves things in the spirit. We are encouraged. Our faith is strengthened. Something happens when we pray together. But see, opposition, when we pray also, it's an opportunity for us to understand, okay, is this spiritual opposition because the enemy doesn't want us to move forward? Or is there some disobedience or sin in my life that God needs to address? You see, I love what David says in Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along the path of everlasting life. You see, when we reframe our mindset and we posture ourselves to say, number one, God has never lost a battle, so he's not going to lose this one. But I'm going to call and invite him to help me. And I'm going to ask him to give me vision. God, is this spiritual opposition? Or is there something in my life that is causing this opposition? See, when you cry out to God, he's going to answer you. But a lot of times we don't wait for the answer. But when we pray, we need to say, God, show me. And God will show us because he wants the best for us. If there's something that we're doing that is causing the opposition. But then he will also show us, though, if the opposition is really from the enemy to keep us from fulfilling the purposes of God. Because, you see, the enemy wanted Peter to stay in the place of condemnation. He wanted Peter to stay in a place where he was shrouded by his discouragement. Because if he was going to remain shrouded by discouragement, if he was going to remain shrouded by condemnation, then Peter will not posture himself to hear what Jesus had to say for the next assignment that God had for him. See, the Bible says in James, I believe it says that when we submit to God, we resist the day of the devil and he flees from us. We have the authority and the power in Christ Jesus to push back the hands of the enemy. When we understand that, listen, when we have spiritual operation, this might be an opportunity where God wants to do something. So we need to gird up with the armor of God, like it says in Ephesians chapter 6. And we need to band together and pray. But another way that we see invitation, we see the invitation in uh, 
to see the invitation and the opposition is that we need to cling to godly community. This one is so important. We need to cling to spiritual community. We all need a John in our lives. You see, all the disciples were in the boat. They were all going back. And see, this is what happened. Peter was in this place of uncertainty. And so he decided to go back to the thing that Jesus had, had delivered him from. He decided to go back to something that was familiar, that was sure, but God had called him out of that into something greater. He went back to fishing. You know, sometimes when we find ourselves in discouragement or despair, we don't even know that we do this. We revert to go back to something that we know. And sometimes those things that we know could actually be bad habits that God has delivered us from. And so we need to be very careful to stay in community because there is a John in the community who, when everyone else is shrouded by the discouragement, can look out to the shore and say, wait, hold on. The person that is calling out to us is Jesus. We all need to stay in community because sometimes when we feel so discouraged or we feel so wearied or we feel like there's so much pushback, there's someone else in our community that has faith for us, that can see what we can't see, that is hearing what we can't hear. And it's okay because what they'll do is they'll come right alongside us and say, you cannot walk this together. I can see what Jesus is doing. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's read the word. They'll remind us of the purposes of God. We need to cling to spiritual community. There's something in us that wants to go and isolate when we're dealing with things. And I don't know why. Because when we isolate, it only leaves room for the enemy to speak into our hearts and our minds and to tell us lies that we should not believe. But see, when we stay in spiritual community, people begin to remind us of the call of God in our lives when we want to quit. When we stay in spiritual community, people begin to speak the word of God in our hearts when our hearts don't want to believe. When we're in spiritual community and we're veering off, then people can say, wait, hold on a minute. This is not what God is calling you to. We need to stay and cling to spiritual community. And the way that we do that to stay in spiritual community or in godly community is small groups. Are you in a group? It's not just a nice thing to say. It's actually life-giving. And yes, People are normal until you get to know them. It's true, but guess what? When you get to know people, when you find yourself in spiritual community where you're safe and you can be vulnerable and you can open up, what happens when you're vulnerable, there's connection. But more importantly, it's an opportunity for God to minister and for God to strengthen and for everyone to band together. And so that people that you, there may be in moments where you feel discouraged, there's someone that you've cultivated a relationship in godly community that can say, wait a minute, I've been praying with you. We've been studying the Bible together. We've been doing life together. And I know this is not who you are. Or I know this is not what God wants for your life. Come on, let me point you to Jesus. Let me point you to what he's saying. Let me show you what he's saying about your life. We see the invitation in the opposition when we reframe our mindset with the word of God and in prayer and when we cling to spiritual community. But the third point is we have to run to Jesus. We must run to Jesus. And that's what we see Peter doing. When John pointed to him and said, Jesus is right there, it says he, t put on, he put back on his clothes because fishermen back then, they had like a little tunic that they would wear. They'll take off their, their robes and they had this little tunic they would wear. And he went, he, when he saw that it was Jesus, he put his robe back on and he went into the water and swam. He ran to Jesus. 
And this is why I believe he did that. You see, when Jesus called him to be his disciple in Luke chapter 5, he was so awestruck it turned to worship. But in John 21, a kind of similar situation, his worship had turned to devotion. And when the worship turned to devotion, he didn't run away from Jesus because of guilt. He knew that his sustenance, his reaffirmation, his re-identification, if you will, his re reinforcement of who he knew that was speaking to his life and remind him of his purpose and remind him of the purpose that God has for us was Jesus. He says he ran into the, he jumped into the water, ran to Jesus and went to meet him. We need to run to Jesus. In the seasons of uncertainty, when we feel vulnerable, when it feels insecure, when we don't know what the future is, when it feels like opposition is coming from every side, listen, we need to understand and see, hey, this might be an invitation for God shifting our lives so we can accelerate to what God has for us. This might be an opportunity where God is speaking into our heart and inviting us to him so that he can speak right back into our life. See, when you read the rest of John 21, what Jesus does is he, he gives them breakfast, he feeds them, and then he begins to speak to, to Peter. And three times he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. I believe that in that moment what Jesus was doing is he was reinstating the guilt that he experienced for betraying him three times. Jesus was bringing back into his life confidence in him, that he loved him. But more so that he's calling him now to not just be a fisher of men, but to feed his sheep, to be a shepherd that will not only lead the early church in many ways, but will be the one that will write the gospel, that will write parts, letters in the Bible that we can come back and read now and refer to. You see, back then, Peter didn't see the end, but we get the privilege of seeing what ends up happening. And so now we know the importance of running to Jesus. When we find ourselves in a season where we feel defeated and uncertain, it is an opportunity, it is an opportunity for Jesus to reinforce his purpose in our lives and to remind us of what he's calling us to do here in San Antonio. So even as you're believing for that, there's a believing for that building, believing for that land, luminous, there's a call of God on your lives as individuals and as a collective. There's a purpose that he wants you to fulfill here in San Antonio and frankly in all of Texas. And sometimes the enemy wants to derail that plan by distracting us with little things, either with our finances, with our jobs, with health challenges. But can I just tell you, would you just fix your eyes on Jesus? Would you have a mindset, understand that you know what there is opposition but I serve a God that has given me authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome every power of the enemy so I'm just going to speak the word of God I'm going to stay into the in the Bible I'm going to cling to community I'm going to tell my community if I'm struggling with something I need them to pray for me I need them to speak the word in my life I need them just like John to help me see where Jesus is and I am going to run to Jesus even when my emotions don't feel like it even when it looks like things are not changing even when when it doesn't make sense, I am going to run to Jesus. I'm going to run to Jesus worshiping. I'm going to run to Jesus praying. I'm going to run to Jesus reading the word. I'm going to run to Jesus confessing the word. But I will run to Jesus. Jesus wants to speak into your lives today. He wants to remind you of the purpose of God. What I love about this story is that Jesus modeled this as well. It says in John chapter 10, 
he was going to be stoned by the Pharisees and the leaders for, for, for the fact that he was, you know, he was saying that he was God or that God, that he, that God was his father. And, and they were going to stone him and throw him off a cliff. But he made his way through the crowd. And it says Jesus went back to the Jordan and stayed a while. Why would Jesus go back to the Jordan? It was the place where he was baptized by John the Baptist but that there was the affirmation where there was a dove and God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He went back to the place where he was given purpose and he was identified in front of others. That's why you need to run to Jesus. That's why this story with Peter was so important. Because in the moment when the enemy wanted to take him off course, Jesus made himself available. Peter runs to him, and Jesus reminds him of his purpose and then ignites and reinforces the call of God on his life that would change the whole world. So I'm going to invite my husband now. We're going to pray for all of you. Because I believe that something amazing is about to happen here in Nunez. And those of you that feel tired, weary, or feel like, where do I go from here? What's next? I just, I feel stuck. There's going to be an acceleration. There's going to be an acceleration in your jobs, Acceleration in the flourishing of your family life. Acceleration in God bringing you out of debt and bringing financial increase all for his glory. Acceleration in your spiritual development and growth. And let me tell you why this is so important. Because when God opens up the floodgates, you need to be ready to receive his people. You need to be in a place where you can say, just like John, it's the Lord. It's the master. I can tell you what he did in my life. My story of God's redemption is written on my heart. And I am going to point you to that one that saves and delivers and loves and rescues and re-identifies us as his own. So I'm going to pray. But before we pray, I want us to do something practical. We're believing God for this land. We're believing for all the paperwork to go through. So church, let's stand together. And we're going to use this as a symbol of faith as a church. And we're going to pray and invite God to help us. That where there's resistance, that we're going to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to bring ease. And for everything to walk and and happen so swiftly concerning this land. Then I'm going to pray for your individual lives. That whatever is pushing you down, whatever is depressing you, whatever is oppressing, that God will come through and break the back of the hands of the enemy and bring relief. So if you will just join me with your hands up raised as we pray for this. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here in Luminous Church. 
We thank you, God, for the power of your word. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for revelation knowledge. We ask in Jesus' name that, God, you know every backdoor conversation. You know every paperwork that is happening in the city and who is managing everything. God, we are drawing your attention together as a people, as a church. We are saying, Jesus, come to our aid. Would you speed up the process? Lord, where there's a hold back, where there's a pushback, where there's an unnecessary delay, we come against it in Jesus' name. Lord God, we ask for intervention. We pray for supernatural provision. But we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that whatever is delaying the process of closing on the deal concerning the land, Lord, would you intervene now in Jesus' mighty name. And God, I pray, Lord, that you will not only intervene, but God, you are the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, which means that, God, you supply every need according According to your riches and glory, God, let every dime concerning that land, concerning the building, let it be supplied in Jesus' mighty name. And then I pray for my brothers and sisters. God, you know what's going on behind closed doors. The stress in the marriages, the health challenges, the financial, uh, the financial uh, uh, distress. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that in any way the enemy is working to use this as a distraction. In Jesus' name, we come against that. But right now, Lord, we ask for relief. We pray for relief. We ask, God, that you would give us a mindset to see you, to know that this is an invitation, oh God, for an acceleration. And I ask, God, that we will posture ourselves to you, clinging to spiritual community and running to you constantly. Lord, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. We pray for strength from heaven. And we thank you, God, for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. just want us to say in a moment of prayer here, I, I sincerely believe that God is doing something, speaking these two events that happened in the life of Peter and then the disciples. The first, the calling of Peter, and then secondly, the recalling of Peter. And I believe that some of us in here, God is calling you today. The, the voice of Jesus is literally, is, is reigning out through his spirit in your life. And he's calling you for the very first time to join and be a part of his family, for you to come to know him, for you to experience forgiveness of sins, and for you to have an eternal relationship with him, a loving relationship filled with life, filled with grace and peace. And so he's calling you to himself, and he's also calling some of you for the first time to be a part of his church. I just sense that there's some of you that you, this has been a, a moment of seeking and trying to discover what it is that God wants you to do. And I believe that he's directing you that as you find your place, you'll find your people and you'll find your purpose. And so God is calling you today and I want to pray for you. And then I want to pray for those of you that God is recalling. Some of you are like Peter. You've kind of been knocked out. You, you, you've like, I'm, I'm in a moment of confusion. I, my, the, the original call that I had of that God gave me, I, I can't see it as clear as it was before. But I sense the Holy Spirit is recalling you in this moment. 
back to the purpose, back to the vision that God has for you in your life. In fact, God is, is breaking through just a lack of, of clarity and confusion that has been present. And he's bringing his vision and his peace into your life. And so let's take a moment to pray over those things, I believe, right now. First, if you don't know Jesus, but you hear him calling you to come into a relationship with him. To repent of your sins and receive forgiveness. I want you to just raise your hand. Just acknowledge that right now. Is there anyone like that in here? I see your hand. Anyone else? I want you to pray this prayer with me. Is say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and creating me. I confess that I've sinned and I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead and you ascended to heaven and you're coming back again. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And Holy Spirit, take my life and empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for those of you that God's calling you into his body, into this church. And some of you have been dealt with church hurt. You've dealt with church skepticism there's just been that but God is he, Jesus is calling you himself it doesn't mean the journey is going to be perfect but he's going to be with you as this happens and so if that's you we can just acknowledge that through your hands being raised I want to pray for you right now is there anyone like that thank you Lord Father I just pray for those who you're calling to join into this body to be a part of the great things that you're going to be doing through this church the many people that will be touched transformed by the gospel the communities that will be reached Lord the impact on this city God I thank you for moving by your spirit to join people to yourself and join people to your body. In Jesus' name. And lastly, I want to pray for those of you that you're like, I've had, there's been confusion. I've lacked clarity. I haven't been able to see because of the pain and difficulties that I've been experiencing in my life. But I, I hear the voice of Jesus calling me, really, rather, recalling me. And that's you. If you could just raise up your hand, I want to pray for you as well. I see your hand. Anyone else? Some of you, I just saw that there's been loss in your family. There's been difficult situations in your job financially. Lord, we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you come. Thank you for calling people to yourself. Thank you that you don't give up on us. You didn't give up on Peter. You extended your mercy. You extended your grace. And now I'm asking that you do it again. And that you give your clarity, your vision, your purpose. 
into the lives of these whom you love. Lord, you love Peter, so you called him to yourself, and you reaffirmed his call. And Lord, I'm asking right now that signs, wonders, and confirmations would come to your people, that your Holy Spirit would brand his purpose in their hearts with greater clarity. Lord, we come against the spirit of confusion. In the name of Jesus, we command you to go. And Lord, we thank you for life, clarity, and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, do not voice after that.